Hello, my name is Brett. It's good to see you, church, especially our guests. Welcome. Glad to have you in the house today. We're going to continue our series on preparing an on-ramp for God, trying to figure out how we can give an, an, an unimpeded pathway for God's power and presence to be in our lives. So turn with me over to the book of 2 Kings. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. The title of the message is Preparing an On-Ramp for God, Making Room. It says, Now a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Verse 3. Then he said, Go, borrow vessels at large for yourself from all of your neighbor, neighbors, even empty vessels, to, and, and do not get a few. And you shall go in and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour into all these vessels and you shall set aside that which is full. Verse 5. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons and they were bringing vessels to her and she poured. And when the vessels were full, verse 6, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not one vessel more. And the oil stopped. Verse 7. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go and sell the oil and pay your debt, and you and your sons can live on the rest. Lord, help us as we study. Here we've got a story that is nothing less than miraculous, but it starts with horrible circumstances. A widow is in trouble. In fact, she was a pastor's wife, if you will. She was married to one of the sons of the prophets. And he passed. And he passed with debt. Just an FYI, be careful about your debt. Gentlemen, make sure you plan well for your family so that you don't put them in dire straits if you aren't around tomorrow. Be careful with your debt. I did not say don't go into debt, although it's never a good idea to go into debt. Just be careful with your debt. Your debt should not ever become somebody else's. This man was, was in debt when he passed. And that debt transferred right down to his family. And back then, and in many societies that are traditional in their orientation of old world, if you can't pay, your sons will. And they will come to work for me as slaves until this debt is paid off. This woman was frantic. She didn't know what to do. And because she's in the, in the mix of the spiritual, her husband happened to be in the school of the prophets, and Elisha seemed to be the leading prophet of the day, directly inheriting the mantle from the lead prophet of his day, which was Elijah. And, he, and she comes to Elisha and says, Help me. I don't know what to do. And Elisha asks her a question. 
You know, we have debts we cannot pay. And I'm not talking about financial debt. We have things that we owe to God that we cannot give him. We have disobeyed. We owed him our perfect obedience. And we could not give it to him. We proved that we were malicious in our intent in living. Ignorant, ignoring his sacrifice and love on a regular basis, walking by the cross and living as we pleased, ignoring everything he has done for us. We lived contrary to his will, yet we owed him our obedience and our indebtedness was way beyond that which we could repay. And yet he decided to fix it, but he didn't fix it without, uh, without uh, letting us understand our need. And that most of us think before we get to know God that we're okay. Everything's just fine. At least we're not as bad as those who are really bad. And we don't recognize the need we have. And here Elisha says, what do you want me to do? And the woman has no answer. When we understand that the need is beyond our answer, then God can begin to give us the solution. We don't know we need, but we desperately do. What do you want me to do? We're not quite sure. We just know we need help. I don't know what the answer is, but I know the answer is found in you, oh my God. Some of you are at a deficit relationally. You don't know what to do with your friendships. You don't know what to do with your marriage. You don't know what to do occupationally with your career. And God sometimes will ask you just for you to understand that you are at a deficit like you never thought you were at a deficit. What do you want me to do? And when the silence is there, then we understand that, that, that he's not really looking for an answer from us because we have exhausted all our possibilities. That we can't fix it. And when we get to the end of ourselves, that's the beginning of God. What do you want me to do? Best response? I ain't got a clue. <laughs> I have, I have, I, I don't know. I just know I need you. Oh, that's a great place to be in. Get there as fast as you can. Get there. I am submitting myself to you because I've tried everything and nothing has worked. A question without a response. And then Elisha asks her, well, what do you have in your house? <laughs> now, this response is funny. I don't, I don't have anything. That's what she says at first. Realizing later that it probably wouldn't be a good idea to be completely inaccurate with the man of God. She says, I have nothing, nothing, except a little bit of oil. A little bit of oil in a jar. But, 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 you know, that's not considered much. God does not need much to do a lot. And you may think you are insignificant, but he can use you. You may think that what you have is insignificant, but he can use it. When you have nothing, you have enough. God is bigger than all the nothing that you got, and he is able to make the nothing something. If you will believe, if you will submit it to him and give him your life, he will make your nothing something. 
You want to prepare an on-ramp for God? Then make sure you offer him all of your nothing. Lord, I believe in you for some really good stuff to happen to me, but I want you to know I don't have much to start with. Remember, he is the one who created everything out of nothing. In the beginning was God. And the earth was formless and void. And then he said, light be, and it became. It was not, and yet he made it. All that is came out of nothing. He is good at making something out of nothing. I'm object lesson number one. A little boy from Kansas. I realize that many of you look at me now with some degree of reverence and you enjoy the idea of coming to this this house because you think I can benefit you on a Sunday morning with information that you didn't have before you came in. A perspective from God that you could not have gotten just sitting at home. I get that. But you don't know who I was. Nobody regarded me as being much of anything worthy of spiritual benefit to anybody. I didn't have something. I had nothing. And God made me into somebody who could benefit people. And I realize I'm still not much. I'm not worth a whole lot. I get it. I look at myself in the mirror every day thinking it is amazing what God is able to eke out of your life. He is really good at making a lot out of nothing. She answers, I got a little oil. (laughs) He says, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go borrow some vessels. Don't get a few. Get a bunch. A lot. And when you get them, shut the door behind you and your sons. Because God's going to do something really special. I think the shutting the door behind was to verify the miracle that there was nothing from the outside that added to what was going on on the inside. And there is something that God wants to do on your inside that cannot be accentuated by anything in the natural. He wants to do something in your personal prayer life. He wants to do something in your devotional life with him. He wants to do something on the inside whereby when you are unveiled, everybody looks and says, That did not happen by somebody trying to make good of themselves, pulling themselves up by their bootstraps, better education. That didn't happen by career development, seminars. That happened because that person there got with God because I know them. God is the only one who could have made them what they have become. You get and close the door you get with God and you let something happen on the inside. Transformation happens here. Formation happens out here. And although we need to be competent in our formation so that we always put the best foot forward in our careers and in our relationships, I get that. You stay there long enough, though. First impressions will not last if there is not transformation in the inside. This is why many marriages don't work. Because best foot was was put forward in the engagement and dating And then they pulled it back. (laughs) And now it's just them. And who they are can't help but come out. Something needs to happen on the inside. You lock yourself up with God. 
and let him begin to make some substantive changes. He'll do it for you. Go out and get a bunch of jars. Now, this woman did not know what was going to happen. She didn't understand it. God hardly ever gives you all the details. He just says, do this. And I realize you want to know from A to Z. But do you really? I mean, do you really want to know from A to Z? You think you do. But if he told you from A to Z, you'd probably quit at D. I can't. That's Oh, that's too much. We just in our home celebrated my wife's accomplishment. She just finished 23 years of homeschooling. 23 years. And so we had a retirement party for her. She educated seven children, two of which have graduated, two are juniors in college, one's a sophomore, and then we've got a a senior in high school and a freshman in high school. And she educated them all at least until the eighth grade, most of, a good part of them, all the way through high school. An amazing woman, amazing. I married way up and am so benefited. Every time I realize she's still next to me when I rise, it's a confirmation that God still loves me. She is an amazing human being. But we had a retirement party for 23 years. And people, when they hear about the the, the 23 years, they say, if if God had come to you and said, you're going to have to do this with Joseph, who was four at the time, my eldest. You're going to have to do this for the next 23, 23 years. What would you have said to him? She said, "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh, ain't no way. This one right here is hard enough. And 23 years, how many children am I going to have? Wait a minute, he ain't going to be in school for 23 years with me. What am I going to have? Wait, 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 wait. No, no, we're going to put him in uh, kindergarten right now. That would have been her response probably. But it was just one day after another, and she woke up after 23 years and said, I'm done. Wow, I don't know if you want to know A to Z. Just obey. Just do what he said, do now. Wake up every day in obedience. And you'll wind up at a spot you didn't know you, you, you would with the blessing of God upon it. Go get jars. You and me would have said to you, like, what for? Jars, what for? I ain't got nothing to put in them. I told you I got just a little bit of oil in a jar. Don't ask. Just do what he said. She went out and got jars. had her boys get jars. And then they, they closed, closed themselves on the inside. And then Elijah said, pour. And, and, and she began to pour. And she poured from one jar. And, and she said, the jar from which she poured just had a little bit of oil. Which meant the jar that had the oil probably wasn't even full. But as she poured... And to the new jar, it just kept pouring. And, you know, she, she's looking, thinking, give me another jar. And she poured again, and it just kept pouring and filled up that jar. Ooh, give me another jar. It just kept pouring and just kept pouring and just kept pouring. Your little bit can become a lot. If you're willing to give it away, if you're willing to pour out of one vessel into another, everything about the kingdom is contrary to everything that's about the world.
the world says in order to, to, to get, you have to go out and receive it. You have to take it. But the kingdom says in order to receive, you got to give it. The world says if you want to find life, grab life by the horns and get all the gusto you can. Carpe diem, seize the day. The kingdom says you want to, want to find your life, lose it. Everything about the kingdom is backwards to the world. In order to receive, you're going to have to pour out. You're going to have to pour out. And God wants to bless you. I mean, he wants to bless you. But unless you are willing to pour out into other vessels, you may never have all that you need. And it's amazing. You think you only have a little bit to pour, but as you begin to pour, more keeps coming out. I can't tell you how many times I have wakened tired. I have got up thinking, I don't know how much oil I've got to give today. Not a complaint. I'm happy doing this every day of my life. I pinch myself thanking God for the privilege of serving his people like this. Your pastor does not complain. All of my problems are good problems. I have challenges. And those challenges are growing me up every day. But the reality is I got my flesh and I wake up someday thinking, oh, I don't know how much I have to give. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I can meet all the needs of the people that are coming to me today. And I begin to pour. And all of a sudden, the little bit that I had becomes a lot. And I poured into this one and into this one and into this one. And at the end of the day, I think, Lord, I only had a couple ounces, but I filled up six gallons. How did that happen? I've got a, a, a limited amount of resources called a salary. In the natural, that's all I have. Yet I got three kids in college. I've already educated two out. None of them have taken college loans. I got a house note. I got issues. I got to feed people. I got same stuff you got every day trying to figure out how to make it go. But I've realized that if I want to receive, I've got to begin to pour. So I make sure that I tithe and I offer. And I give a whole lot to the kingdom. And I just keep pouring. And I think to myself, I've only got a little bit. I don't have much. To provide for all the needs that God desires in this world, I don't have a lot. With respect to that, it might as well be called nothing. But my job is not to look at what I have, but to look at what I can pour. What she had was a little. What she poured was a lot. Are you listening? It only becomes a lot when you pour. If you let it stay in the jar, it stays a little. She poured. She poured. And you know the only limiter to her, to her being able to continue to pour? Was that she ran out of jars. Maybe knowing a little bit about the middle might have helped her in the end. I don't know. Meaning, if she knew that the oil was going to continue to, to pour out, would she have gone out and gotten more jars? <laughs> might she have gone not only to every neighbor she knew, but taken her donkey down to the next, next village and gotten as many jars as she possibly could? I don't know. I think I might have if I had known. 
But sometimes, not only does God not tell us because we would be, we would be dwarfed by the idea of what might happen in the middle, but he wants us to exercise our faith by doing what he said, even when we don't know why. Go out and get as many jars as possible. Don't get few, get a bunch. He was trying to tell the woman, I'm trying to bless your socks off. I'm not just trying to pay off your debt. I'm trying to provide for you for the rest of your life. Go get as many jars as you can. Because your job could be for the next week. Your job could be doing this. I'll take that work. If you can get that work, get that work. Take, say, sign me up for that job. If my job is simply doing this, sign me up. Pouring. Pouring. And she said to, to, to her boys, bring, bring me another jar. And the boy said, I don't have any more. Then the oil stopped. There will never be a lack of opportunity as long as I'm pastor, a lack of opportunity for you to pour. We've got this building over here. <laughs> I don't plan to do another one, y'all. This is number four for me. I participated in four building projects in the history of this church, three of which I've led. I don't plan to do another one. But there will always be opportunities into which you can pour your resources, whether it be orphans, whether it be projects to start other churches, whether it be education for our kids at Yorkshire Elementary down in Manassas, whether it be to youth, college, disaster relief, there will always be opportunities for you to pour. We will never run out of jars. Since that's the case, if you want to be blessed regularly, your position ought to regularly be this. Because the oil won't stop. It won't stop. When we give you opportunities to give, whether it be time, energy, resources, financially, we are giving you an opportunity to, to pour the little bit that you've got and watch it not stop and see the blessing come to you and to those who benefit from the oil being poured. I realize that some people come in and they think, boy, is the church talking about money? Well, yeah, but why not? We don't shy away from it. The resources that we use here are used well. And we're encouraging you to become what you need to be, to grow into something that you presently are through the use of your resources. Jesus said, if you're faithful in the use of that which you have, God will give you more. If you're unfaithful, even the little bit that you got, he'll take it away and give it to somebody who is faithful. We want you to be prosperous. There is no question that we've got goals to meet, namely finishing this building. But that is not the end all. 
That is just the process of us becoming something that we weren't presently. Think about it for a minute. This story is in the Bible. It's in the Bible. Do you think this woman had a story to tell to everybody? Look at what God did for me. Miraculous. Pay off all her debt and lived on the rest. She had a story to tell. There are stories waiting to be told about how you poured and how God didn't let it stop. I'm begging you, pour out your time. Pour out your money. Pour out your, your gifts and talents upon people who desperately need them and watch God supply for you in ways like you never thought possible. Remember, you might only have a little, and that little compared to the need seems like nothing. But the only thing you lack is this, the, the more than 90 degree angle because we've got jars into which you can pour. Let's pray.